called passion. We as humans have a natural tendency to be passionate about something. But what is it that we're passionate about? Because there's no problem with being passionate. So, as I mentioned, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend, so these soldiers that are out fighting, we have, I think we still have some overseas now even, but throughout the years, uh, soldiers have went overseas, have went to different lands, and even going back to Civil War times on this, on our land, to fight for our freedom and what we believe in, and, and the values that they hold. Do you, there, there's no way that the, the people fighting that are giving their lives that we remember today on this, this weekend are mediocre about what they're doing. They're not just like, oh, I'm out here again, I got my gun, I'm just kind of walking around. Oh, they're the enemy, do, 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 right? So they're very passionate. They, they know what they're doing, they know why they're out there, and they know that they have to be ready for anything. Um, we have veterans here that applies to you guys because there's many people that will never step on a battlefield and never understand what you go through and what you have to do in those circumstances. So the passion that they have drives them on a daily basis to do those things. So um, just, just as that beginning note, let's definitely remember them throughout the weekend. We have, like I said, we have fallen, we have family members maybe that even that have been fallen in past years. So we even have some people here that are very passionate that have a very good example of passion on a daily basis here. Um, we have one that comes right to the top of my brother, Robert Davis. Every time certain songs come on that we play here, up, oh, hallelujah, amen, clapping, awesome. Passion for the Lord Jesus is very, very visible in him at all times, anytime, not just in church service, but you can see it very visible, very, very obviously at certain times. So my question is, now that we all are passionate, but what is it we're passionate about, like I asked earlier? Is it something that you like? Like, uh, in the South, we, you know, football season is not here, but in the South we'll say, we like football, and we're passionate about football. Well, why are you passionate about football? Well, I like it. Okay, well, in that, in that if that's the defini definition of passion then Facebook has a lot of passionate people on it, right? Some of the younger generation know all about it for sure. Um, you, you can have posts um, that get millions or a million likes from one post. So if that is the definition that we use as passion and the guidance that we've been told what passion is, then that means for this funny picture that's out there on Facebook, people are very passionate about that funny picture. Very, very passionate because there's so many likes, right? So there's, I think that in itself is a little bit misguided in what we think of as passion. If we're going to say it's because I like it. Yeah, I think you should like what you're passionate about. That kind of goes hand in hand. But it doesn't stop at I like it. So if that's what it is, I think that's a little misguided. We as Christians have that, can have that same issue as far as we'll look out and we can all agree that the world is kind of going off the deep end at times and probably going slowly that way farther and farther to the deep end. As Christians, we can say sin is, is out there, and we know that. But do we look at that and say, oh, well, it's, and we, they're just so lost. They're just out there. There's not a whole lot we can do at home unless we get rid of this little 
item that they're dealing with. Yeah, if that stops at the item, we might have a problem. Um, I do have a clip, um, I guess Mary's running it, um, on, it's in the DVD, should be queued up already. That to kind of help explain this, um, some of you, uh, some of the older people may recognize the movie it comes from, the younger ones probably have no idea where this comes from. Um, it's going to kind of help explain what, what I'm talking about here to give it, uh, give a more punch to it. So let's go ahead and roll that. decide to sit in judgment? Who elected all of you to be the saviors of everybody's souls in Beaumont? Reverend, we have a perfect right to determine what our Roger. children... When you burned all of these, what are you going to do then? Chris, take these out of here. Satan is not in these books. He's in here. He's in your hearts. Go on home, all of you. Go and sit in judgment on yourselves. Roger, go home. Eleanor, come on. Go home now. Come on, both of you. We can stop it there. So... Like I said, some of y'all probably recognize that it's kind of a big movie, an older movie. But the clip gives us an insight of how a lot of people think in a lot of ways, not just outside of the world, but even in our own little Christian bubbles. As we look at things and say, well, the world would be better if this did not exist. Yeah, yeah. And we have a point to it, and we're, we're right. But is that where it stops? The, the film, or the, the clip, shows we can be very passionate about ridding the world of sinful items, sinful things, without actually fixing the problem that causes those issues. And that's where we've got to look at. The, you know, we, we sang Open the Eyes of My Heart today, and Brandon summed it up almost of, of a big picture item of the, of the sermon I have today is, you know, we look at things and we see them with our human eyes and we say, well, that's terrible, but we never see with our heart of where the issue is that that stems from. So today, um, God laid on my heart, a, in a sense, for me, a scary passage to teach out of. I try to stay away from this. Um, the last book in the Bible, Revelation. So love it, good stuff in it, but... As a teacher, it can be very scary to teach to a bunch of people, and I'm sure other teachers here would agree with me. Revelation can be a very scary thought to teach from. The, the passage is going to be in chapter 2 and verse 4. It's going to be our, our uh, main passage if you have your physical Bible, which I think we all agree here staff-wise that it's a very good thing to have a, a physical Bible. Uh, in verse 4, I'm going to actually start back in verse 3. It says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but, but I have this against you, 
that you have abandoned your love you had at first. It's a very recognizable passage for a lot of people. But it hits home for our culture and our mindset that we have as Christians and that, that the world has even in non-spiritual aspects. This, is spo- this passage is spoken to the church of Ephesus. Ephesus. And they, they were real good about doing work. They were real good about doing the things of God. Such as, I mean, I'm sure they had Bible studies. They had prayer meetings. They had outreach things. They, they helped widows. They helped orphans. They did all of the works. But as you've heard here before, works is not where we need to stop. The heart issue of the people in our heart for those people is where it has to, to begin and end with God doing a work through them. Because we, you know, as the clip says, we cannot be deemed the savior of the world because we are not divine and we're not righteous enough to save ourselves, much less any one other person. So my question today for all of us, myself included, is are we lacking anything as the church of as church of emphasis was are we as an individual not as a church as an individual are we lacking anything that the church of emphasis might have been lacking do we have a driving godly passion for the world that we are surrounded by not just a godly passion but do we have a passion that's so fire so the fire is so big of our, for our passion that, that we can't sit still when we look at somebody that's caught up in a, a drug addiction or, or teenagers that are, are having babies. When we see things, these circumstances and these, these ordeals that people go through on a daily basis, do we, does that make us get up and move? Or do, do we sit there and say, we need to help that person? There's a difference in the driving passion and in the just having passion. And there's a difference in having passion for Alabama football and the passion that God puts in us for his word, for his works, for his duties, for the things he wants us to do on a daily basis. There's a big difference. Now, as I was talking earlier before the clip, our passion for God can be misguided and it can be neglected. Now that's kind of a strange thing to think about, uh, of tending to passion. It was for me, at least at first anyways. And I got to thinking about it, and how do we tend to our passion? How do we, how do we get our, our passion guided in the right direction? You see, we have people burning books in this because those books are not good books. Our kids should not be reading those books because they have sexual morality in it, they have foul language in it, they have all these scandalous things in it we don't want our kids to read, so we're just going to burn all of them. Great, good passion, but that doesn't stop sin in the world. Sin is not in books, it is not in TV, it is not in music. Sin falls from our heart. We are sinful by nature. So the people that are making the books, that are making the music, 
that are making those TV shows that we don't want our kids to see, that we don't want to watch because they're not of God. That's where the, the issue starts from in ourselves. Same, an opposite end revival starts with us, inside us on our knees. So we have to start and look at the soul issue of that, of that, that sin issue that we want to rid the world of. So we get all fired, we can get all fired up about the culture we are surrounded by and say, oh, all these youngins and their music and they play it so loud and, and they're, they're clothes and they like to wear their pants so low and ugh, just go away, right? We get real fired up about just go away from us. Stay away from us. I'm a Christian. I don't want anything to do with you. You're too far out there. You're too lost for me to deal with, right? Yeah. You're right. They're too far for you to deal with. But you are not to deal with them. You are to be a faithful servant of the Lord Most High so that he can deal with them. You just have to have the passion and the, the obedience and the yielding nature to the Spirit to do so. So we can look at them all day long and say, this is, they're too far gone. But what is the soul state of that person that we're talking about is too far gone. Are they going to heaven if they get in a car wreck? Is the, the drug dealer that we pass by going wherever we may go and we see something that we shouldn't see, are, are they going to go to heaven if something goes wrong with that deal? Could you be the last person to talk to them and have such a passion for God that they say, I want what you've got. It, it, could that be the situation? Or are we sitting back and looking like, that's sinful, I'm not dealing with it. You know, it, I know back in probably middle school we did that, talk to the hand, right? Are we doing that because something is sinful? Because we don't want to be caught up in that or we don't want to be, have the image that we're dealing with that? Well, the scriptures say, right, actually, um, I believe it's in here, right here in Revelations, if I remember I'm reading it, that you at times, you may be dealing with it, and you be passionate about dealing with stuff, but you get caught up and named with people that are doing things that are sinful because you're trying to get to them. Now, Jesus, in all of his ministry and all of his teaching, was very passionate. What was his passion about? His own self-glory. Well, that's jealous. That's not jealous. That's selfishness. Well, God and Jesus kind of have the right to be, self, to be selfish, right? They're, they created everything that, they, that he walked on, created everybody he talked to, and every thought they've ever thought, and every word they're going to say. So I think if anybody has a right to be selfish, it is Jesus and it's God. So he was passionate enough to go to the prostitutes, to the Samaritan woman, to to the, the Pharisees to them and say, hey, are you thirsty? Sam said that several times, past couple weeks even. Are you thirsty? Do you have water that's going to satisfy your thirst for all eternity, not today, all eternity? Do you have that water? Do you know where, where to even get that water from? So, what are we doing and how are we dealing with issues of, of sin? Are we, are we given that talk to the hand mentality? Or is our passion killing us and the spirit grinding at our heart 
saying, you need to talk to that person because today may be their last day. But we have to, to have that. We have to care for it and we have to have it guided. Okay, so caring for it is kind of easy. It's the easier part. We, we read, we pray, we come to church, we hear good Bible teaching, come to Wednesday night, hear good Bible teaching. We do all these things, we walk life with Jesus. And then when we can't walk anymore, we let Jesus carry us those few steps, or those however many steps for that year, for that ten years. We let Jesus carry you. And we care for it. We have a really close, tight-knit relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the easy part of caring for it. Now, the guidance part, where do you get guidance for something like passion? Well, if you do the first half of it and care for your passion, care for your knowledge and the wisdom that God gives you and the, the passion that God's already implanted in you and boldness he's given you, then you, you already have half of that down. Because if you do that right, your guidance is going to come a little easier by the Spirit. But... God can guide you and give you everything perfectly. But if you can't hear that voice, or if you hear the wrong voice, sometimes someone older than you in your walk can come beside you and say, hey, you got the right idea, but let me steer you this way just a little bit. Take about 10 degrees to the left, or 10 degrees to the right. I know I did that backwards, but left and right. I know my left and right, I promise. But it, uh, so sometimes we have to have someone older step in. And sometimes it's not necessarily physical age that they someone of being older. It could be, example, Damien could come to me as what, about almost 10 years my junior. He could come to me and say, hey, you got the right idea, but let's go this way a little bit. And he may have God, divine wisdom speaking to me for that very moment be able to tell me something. So it's not always someone that's physically older than you. But we've got to look at the, those people, the drug dealers and the, the, the people that we call simple. It don't have to be that extreme. I'm just giving an extreme, extreme example. And say, what is the sole issue of that person? And what is our passion toward that person? Because God is wor more worried about their citizenship than their scholarship, what they know and what they do. That is what God's worried about. Is that what we're worried about, though, when we look at those issues and those situations? A good example of where our, uh, how our passion should look on a daily basis, no matter if you've been saved for a year, a day, a week, or 20 years, 60 years, 40 years, whatever it may be. Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, he gives us a very uh, good reminder of what it should look like and where it comes from. Um, it's Jeremiah, for those who are following along in your Bibles, it's Jeremiah 2, verse 2. And it reads, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness and a land not sown. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride. 
the biggest part of that. Your devotion of youth does not mean necessarily when you're in their youth group or when you're in children's group. It can mean, like for me, when I was 18 years old and got saved, I was reborn, which means I was a baby again. I had to become a baby Christian, learn how to walk as a Christian. But before I could walk, I had to learn to fall as a Christian. Because every time I would stand up, I could fall down. Because I was still a baby as a Christian. But when you first get saved, there's something inside of you. For me, it was I mean, almost instant change in a lot of ways, but not everything. Because the night I got saved and the next probably month or so after that at the least, when I was at school, people were like, you're different. Didn't have to say a word. They could look at me. But my wife's a prime example because, because of my salvation experience and my passion that I had implanted in me at that moment was so full. I literally was running over. We talked about it time. I was literally running over. I could not hold it in. So every time I would go to talk to her, she's been a friend of mine the whole time we was in high school. It's the last half of our senior year. So you got three and a half years. We've been in band together, all of this. We've known each other. She's known all the bad stuff that I've done and all the craziness I've went through. And then all of a sudden, I come in and say, hey, have you met Jesus? He's just awesome. Every day. And we sat next to each other in the class. So she didn't just get it in band, but she also got it in, ironically, my debate class. So, and she's kind of like, Eh, you know, she's, she's from Florida. She's from down from Panama. So the spring, they call it the spring break capital of the world. So she's like, yeah, man, God, yeah, there's something up there. Kind of the same thought I had. Yeah, be quiet. Leave me alone. Right? But because of that passion that I had that was just boiling to, and boiling over. Fire was so big. It was a bonfire set up for the biggest event you could think of. You could probably see it for miles around. And I could not sit still in my chair if I started to hold my tongue about Jesus at that point. And after, it was a year, almost to, to the date, a year after that, we went to Winter Jam the next year, invited her, got her to come. We had been having a, an on and off relationship as far as courtship and date, dating and things like that. Got her to come to Winter Jam with me. After all of that work, and we had time of separation there after graduation, and all of that work, she gets saved. So you can't say passion is not important when, and say knowledge and your experience in witnessing or experience or knowledge in evangelism is more important than the way you say it. Because, again, I was a baby. I didn't know anything. I had no idea what I was doing at that point in my spiritual walk. Except, hey, I found this guy named Jesus. And he's pretty, pretty awesome. I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't sit here and tell you about Jesus nonstop. And I just keep rolling it out of my mouth. And she's just like, leave me alone. The whole time. Stop it. She's just kind of like, yeah, I get it. I'm going to be quiet. So... Passion is, is a big deal, and that's the passion that we're talking about. That passion when your first love, like it says in Revelation, 
that's that first affection, that first um, butterfly in your stomach feeling, you know, that first true love thing, you're like, ah, oh, they're so pretty, right? You have the butterflies in your stomach, and you're like, yeah. You know, teenagers, the first time you get a, a real boyfriend or girlfriend, you're like, I'm going to marry them, right? So excited. Love this person, right? That is how we feel with Jesus when we get saved. But it stops after a couple months, right? We kind of, life happens, and we're like, yeah, Jesus is cool, but I've got this test over here. Or I've got to do this job thing over here for my boss. And if I don't get it done, then, you know, it might be, be done for, right? So we've got life on there. I've got to do all this stuff, and Jesus kind of gets pushed back. Well, another example, a little more comical example of what passion can do I was at a, um, it was a youth leadership conference, and I can't remember the name of the speaker. I want to say it's like Dave Nasser, but it, I mean, it was one of the big name speakers, and he was talking about Paul and his conversion. That was, it, they did it, I went to it about two or three times, and that was the passage they, they taught on almost every time about the passion he had and the things he went through right there at conversion. And he goes to talk about how he, when he got saved, it's something we would see very, very, very odd and very crazy and almost even stupid at some point. He, he gets saved, leaves out, freshly saved, goes to a Burger King, hides behind the drive through menu. Right? Really weird. Lady pulls up, goes to order her Whopper. He goes, you don't need a Whopper, you need Jesus. Scares the woman half to death, Right? I mean, if I had somebody screaming at me, and I think the menu screaming at me that I don't need a Whopper and I need Jesus, I'm going to go, ah, peel out and drive out through the drive through right? Be done with it. I don't need a Whopper, that's for sure. So after all this, this craziness, this woman basically witnesses to herself, because he's sitting in the van, he says, sitting in her vehicle in the passenger seat with this woman, and now she's crying, and he's like, I don't know what to do. He's just sitting there, brand new, say, has no knowledge, no nothing. Woman crying and just talking about, oh no, I need to go to church and I know, I know God can forgive me I know he has a power and I know this and that and, and I just really got to get back leaves herself to rededicate because of one statement you don't need a whopper, you need Jesus okay, the strangest thing ever, right so he, all of this and the lady leaves herself because of passion so you can be two years old and be able to talk, be able to scream out, you need Jesus, very passionately. And you're not going to know any theology, you're not going to know philosophy, you're not going to know all these other ologies that older people are going to know. At two years old, if you understand that, we need to get some news reporters in here or something if you know all that at two years old, because that's a lot of ologies to learn. So... At two years old, you can say, you need Jesus very passionately, very strongly, with all of your heart, and let that fire just blow out. And show your love of Jesus to everybody in the world, everybody you come across, in that kind of way, then the Spirit does the rest of the work. You don't have to know anything. You have to know how you got saved, and you have to know Jesus. That's really all you've got to know. You say, I once was blind, now I see, that's all I know. 
That's it. Evangelical 101, I was blind, now I see, I don't know how. I don't know anything else about it. That's all you need to know. But passion, doing that without passion, without care for passion, and without guided passion, you, you can stray off. And you, let's say, you may be doing, like, like the Church of Instance, you may be doing the works, you may be coming and doing maintenance repairs for God, you may be doing yard work for God, you may be doing homeless ministry for God. But you could all be doing it without the passion and without that first love. It's like stories of having pianists in churches that get hired in that are complete atheists. To me, I don't see how they got past the interview process. Because if it was me grilling them, I'm saying, okay, what's your testimony? Atheists want to say, what's the testimony? I don't understand what you're talking about, right? So, red flag. <laughs> nope, sorry. We'll call you later. Never, actually. We're not going to call you back because we need somebody that knows Jesus Christ, that has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, has them in his heart, and has a passion for Jesus Christ. So, you can be doing things for God without doing things for God. You can be working with your hands. You can be working with your mind. You can even have a pastor or a teacher teaching the Word of God without knowing God. But it's obvious when there's a passion behind it, it's very obvious. But we have to, again, we have to have a care for it and we have to have a God. So we have to be able to talk about it once we get of age, so to speak, in our spiritual walk and be able to say, you know, we have some scripture behind us, a little, a little scripture behind us, and be able to say, you know, God is good, he does awesome things, and here's some uh, supporting evidence. Now, for some of us, like, they talk about me all the time, it can be scientific, it can be historical, it can be all these things. But the biggest thing is, you know, I once was blind, now I see, and I'm very passionate about it, and I'm going to let you know that I'm very passionate about it, because I'm not going to be able to close my eyes. You know, you, you have people that are that are very shy, such as myself, believe it or not, very shy, that does not like being on a stage and talking to people, that encounter Jesus, and then all of a sudden, a year down the road, he says, oh, by the way, you're going to stand up for a lot of people because you're going to teach my word and my gospel to everybody you come in contact with. And I'm like, you got the wrong guy, there's no way. I'm excited, but that can't happen because I don't stand in front of people. My one-on-one speech class, <laughs> right? The whole podium is like rocking back and forth. I can't do it. No way. No. But here I am. First time I'm in the pulpit. Passionately talking about my Lord, my Savior. I do it every Wednesday night. I do it as many times as I get to any other time. So, my word time and my prayer time caring for that passion keeps that life stuff that happens at the beginning out of my way. Now, I'm not saying that's an easy ordeal. I'm not saying that's an, an easy task to say, you know, life happens, but I've got to block it out while I still do life. Because you can't not do life and do gospel and teaching and 
works of God because the works of God should be your life in more aspects than not. So you have to be very passionate and know what you're talking about to some extent in the fact of, again, I once was blind, now I see, and I'm passionate, and I don't know anything past that. So you need to be able to go... You don't have to go from that end of the stage to this end of the stage in your spiritual walk to understand what passion is or to convey passion because we as Christians do not like to say, if y'all, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you're 40 years into your walk, 60 years into your walk. You can be a million years into your walk. I don't know who's a million years old, but if you can get a million years into your spiritual walk, it does not matter. Your zeal, your passion should be the same as, as if you were a baby Christian. There's a reason Jesus says, your faith like a child. And I would say, that's too gullible, right? That's not the point. If you can tell most little kids, hey, there's balloons that taste like candy, but they're way up in the sky and you've got a ladder to climb. And they're like, really? I'm going to climb that ladder. And they're like, run off and, you know, some of them, if you're not careful, run into a wall. But, that's not the point. They believe by word alone because someone they trusted said it. If we have that kind of trust and faith in Jesus, then no matter what he says should make us stirred up, should make us very passionate because, he, because Jesus said it, not because of anything else. So that passion, no matter where you are in your walk, is as if you're a baby Christian. You keep reading you learn more, you grow more, you walk along Jesus, you walk beside Jesus, you get discipled, you have godly men uh, step up and disciple you in the way of Christ, in the way of the walking with Christ, and show you what passion looks like. That's a very big deal. You have to be shown what that passion looks like, because that's the second half, guidance. You can burn all the books in the world, you can burn all the CDs, Eight tracks, tapes, VHS, DVDs, Blu-rays, all of that. You can burn all of that that has everything that's not Christian. You can burn all of it. And guess what? Sin's still in the world. Because there's someone that's in the world that controls that. That puts it in a place that you cannot burn as a human. You cannot test it. You cannot reach it. But the person that we should be knowing, that we should be getting our passion from, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Most High God, He can soften a heart, test it by fire, and reach it through any circumstance. So we, we should have the passion to be able to just put it out there. That's all we really have to do is step out and be guided to those things. So, if you're guided to burn books, and you're guided to burn CDs and DVDs and Blu-rays, you're still not getting the sole issue of people solved. You're not fixing the actual root issue of where all that stems from. Now, in a perfect world, such as the beginning of creation in Eden, we didn't have to worry about soul issues. We didn't have to worry about fallen man. We didn't have to worry about sin natures in man. 
But yeah, we, they were, I believe, out of me, were still very passionate about the things of God. At least up until the fall, at the least. Now, if you read, if you read after, they still are giving sacrifices and things of this after the fall. So I believe they retain at least some of that passion in, in the, after the fall. But before it, I believe they were so passionate that they, to me, they, at points, I think, in their worship sessions, they would become nuclear, as some of our uh, Old Testament characters did when they saw the, sh- the, the glory of God. They shine. Okay, that's kind of the, the deal we're looking for. Okay, that, that's my thoughts on what the passion could look like in a perfect world. And they didn't have to worry about the surrounding world and life. But we, modern day, have a lot of culture to deal with. We have generational gaps to deal with. We have culture gaps to deal with. So we have to be able to say none of that matters in the grand scheme of God's economy. Because what God looks for, again, is where their citizenship lies. Does it lie here on earth, in their money, in their cars, in their clothes, in their phones? I read an article um, just the other day, or the title of an article that says, Teenagers' uh, social status is depending upon their phone or iPhone, not their clothes anymore. You're talking, I mean, 15, I've seen, well, me and my wife upgraded our phones, and I saw a girl that she could only have been 13 getting a brand new iPhone. Okay? She's up there in the ladder on her social status if that's how they're, they're looking at it, right? But none of that matters to God. What matters is your passion. For a Christian, what matters is your, your passion. And for God, as a, for someone as a lost that doesn't know Jesus, what matters to him is where does their citizenship lie? If they get in a horrible car wreck this afternoon, tomorrow, and the next week, whatever, where is their citizenship at? And then he asked us, what did you do with your passion? Where is your passion lying? What did you talk, how did you talk to this person? How did you deal with these people? How did you deal with these circumstances? So we have to completely, completely, almost ignore cultural basis. Not to the extent that we're, we fall into ruts where we can't reach new generations. Because if I said that, I'd be going against our pastor, and that's not at all what I'm saying. But you can't say, I don't deal with that culture. There's no way that I can get there. That's not where God's calling me. But yet, God may be calling you to the exact opposite place where you feel comfortable. That's what he does. He pulls us out of our comfort zone. So, the... The cars, the clothes, none of that matters. We have to be able to reach to the sole issue of people. So to wrap up, I just have a, a couple of statements I put together um, that I thought of coming out of this. Where we have two, we just ended a series, and we just, we just started a new series here. First one, you know, we talked about the destroyer being a destroyer. Here, this now... We're talking about engaging our culture. So being able to get into the culture for the sake of God's glory and to reach that soul of that person, not, not to reach their pants that are sagging too low or their cars that are really nice or their, their phones that are really nice. But to engage the culture, we must be passionate about the soul state of the individual 
in the current culture. So to be able to engage them, we have to worry about the inner workings of a person and their spiritual life and where their citizenship lies. Does it lie here? Does it lie in heaven? That's what we got to get to. So we cannot be like people in the movie clip and try to rid the world of sinful things without reaching the main issue that we have to deal with, which is the sole issue of people. We're going to do our best to reach the soul of sinful people, not reach the, the things of the culture. Best way to say it. So, today, let us remember the passion that we should have. I brought up the, the fallen soldiers. Think of their passion. Think of, of how they deal with their, their daily life in those kind of situations. They are passionate. What wakes them up is knowing that they're protecting their family, their kids, their uncles, their dads, their mothers, whoever. That is the passion that drives them on a daily basis. They wake up knowing that they're doing something that they need to be doing in order for our safety so that we can meet in a, a nice building and not have to worry about somebody busting through the front door telling us to get out and go home. That's what they're fighting for. They are passionate about that. Let us remember that. Let us remember our first love to God, love to God as baby Christians. Let us remember the affections we had for God using that passion to drive us on an everyday basis and let us fight the good fight, let us fight for the godly passion that we need in our life and let it not be extinguished because we didn't care for it or we didn't have it guided properly. Let us do our part and fight that fight to, to weed out life that slows us down and let us have that godly passion drive us every day for the sole issue of people. So, you want to come out? Okay, stand coming.